0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. A series, um, called Move Again and um, God, God clearly does move. Um, He's still moving. He continues to move and you know, not only have we heard that amazing testimony today, but then last week, um, hearing Pastor Stephen Jury uh, share his testimony about how God moved in his circumstance when he was diagnosed with cancer uh, uh, last year, the year before last, um, and how in, in so many ways, the logistics of, of, of um, his diagnosis and then traveling to Australia and then his family and friends to support, even even dealing with Medicare, you know, when you need it, you need God to break through and deliver us from bureaucracy, um, and so we can all relate to that Um and, and I think after that, um, that, 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 the, the interview that, um, that Pastor Bronson had with uh, Stephen, um, he shared, he shared a, a message about how God first needs to move in our hearts. The work begins internally first. And, and Pastor Bronson reminded us that revival really starts in that, that moment of transformation when we are saved, when we are converted, however you want to call it. And, and that seed... It can start very small. It can start an amazing testimony, and there are some amazing testimonies of salvation in this church. But it can start very small. But he doesn't just want to leave that there. He wants to continue to, 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 to bring us on a journey of, of more recognition of who he is and his power to change our lives and to glorify him. Um, and Bronson left us with a few key thoughts how to do this. The first one, very, very countercultural, to humble ourselves are the first and say god you are god lord god and i i need to lay down what i'm holding on to and give it over to you the second part to repent that's even harder that is really hard to do it's a lifelong journey and the last one is to draw near to god so today i'm going to bring you a message about how we are not just trusting for god to move in our hearts but also for him to move again in our situations and circumstances yours and mine. He wants to bring a dramatic change, a transformation, not just internally, but but in the world that we inhabit, in the things that we face, in the challenges we face. So we're going to be believing that God has a breakthrough for you. Do you have faith to believe that God will move again? Let's start with prayer. Dear God, thank you for your mighty word, that it can encourage us, inspire us, Lord, remind us that you can move again in our word and in our world and in our circumstances Jesus I thank you but by your power and by your name all things are possible and Holy Spirit I pray today that you would anoint my words and stir people's hearts to believe for you to move again in our lives and in this church in Jesus name we pray amen all right we're going to start with the scripture. Um, John 5, verse 1 to 7. It's a bit of a long one. We'll go through it. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew. It has five colonnades. And within these lay, lay a large number of the sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. And then the first one who got in after the water had stirred, recovered uh, almost rec- sorry, recovered from whatever ailment they had. One man who had been there, sick for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Wow. And let's just sort of, you know, (laughs) this is the sort of thing we see this in the Bible and say, oh, does that really happen? And then we see, we hear stories like that today. Yes, he's still moving. God still moves. God's still healing. But anyway, before we—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm jumping ahead. The man had been sick for 38 years. Can you imagine? I'm—I'm I'm still 39 this year. I this year I've got—I tick over to 40. Thank you. <laughs> I'm holding on to my 30s um, just a little bit. But I, my entire life, I can't—I can't imagine being sick with that level of debilitating illness for 38 years, day upon day, year upon year. This man woke up in pain. To discomfort and difficulty, I'm still a strapping young man. I feel that way. I'm not. I'm putting off the the age. I don't. Woo! Yeah, thanks, bro. It's giving me some encouragement. So, like, I don't. I don't have know how this really feels. Actually, my hip has started to go recently. My lower back. This get this. This will resolve itself, right, Bronson? It doesn't get worse than that. All right, that's fine. I'm just. But actually, jokes aside, I know that for many of you, this is this is part of your reality too. You know, that there is might be some pain, some constant ah, nagging pain. Maybe it's even debilitating and you find it really hard to do the things that you love to do. So, you know, my thoughts for you. And and, and can you imagine, um, at the time, this guy, there was no Nurofen, there was no Panadol, there was no Codeine, whatever. The, there was no medical treatment, really, that was going to really help him. I'm sure he probably tried to find some healing from some doctors, but none could treat him. Maybe he cried out to God for a miracle, but clearly God hadn't healed him. Maybe he'd hoped that his situation and his sickness would just improve by itself, but clearly he'd not improved. He was still there 38 years on. And I'd argue that this man for 38 years, he is experiencing disappointment after disappointment. You know, when he's had a hope that maybe a doctor could find a cure, maybe God would move for him, but... By the time that Jesus arrived on the scene, I imagine he was feeling utterly deflated. You know, he was holding on to this hope. Maybe if I can get to that pool, maybe that's my last, my last hope. And can I say this? You know, disappointments are a kind of part of life, even even for a Christian. Um, if there was a sign on the door at the front that said "Disappointments are gone once you meet Jesus," that, that I'm sure one of the kids must have put that up because it's not true. We don't preach that in this church. And that, that's, that's the hard reality that, um, you know, disappointments are going to come when we have unmet expectations. Whether that's in health, whether that's in, you know, your your, your your career, whether that's in your family. We've believed for something that hasn't come to pass. We've trusted in someone. Ooh, that's that's hard. And they've let us down. When we've tried to make something work, given it our absolute best, but our best still wasn't good enough in our own strength to get get the thing that, that we were hoping for. I was reminded of this when Fadzi was talking, actually, when we've, we've done the right thing, we've sacrificed, we have followed God in the expectation that He would come through, you know, waiting for a child, wait, hoping for a pregnancy. You know, you're hoping that things would turn out for the good, but as far as we can see, it hasn't worked out. In fact, it might even be turn out for the bad. Christians aren't immune from feeling these kind of disappointments. And the problem with disappointment or the danger of it is if it's left unchecked, it can kind of permanently embed itself in our life. It becomes a discouragement, a state of discouragement. And discouragement is the state of having lost your confidence or enthusiasm for something. Now, if we're talking about football teams, that's fine because I'm an Essendon supporter it's been 20 years without a without a finals win this year. Um, but I can live with that kind of discouragement. Um, but if it's discouragement in something really deep and important in your life, something you've been hoping and praying for, that discouragement can be debilitating. It's like the drip of water on a rock. The disappointments of life eat away at our confidence and our enthusiasm. And then until over time... You just live a life of complete discouragement. We stop seeing disappointing situations as just the things that happen from time to time. We start to see them as being the rule to our life. We stop seeing them as moments, but they come a theme that defines us. Do you know you know what I'm talking about? Do you find this it's oh so typical. Why do things like this always happen to me? why bother? It's going to always end up the same in the end. And that is, that's the tragedy of it, that there are times like this in my own life that I've felt these disappointments start to build up. You know, things that I've been holding on and hoping for and they don't come to pass and you can just feel that change in your countenance come. Oh, maybe this isn't going to change. Maybe This is going to become a bigger thing. Maybe this discouragement is going to come lodged in my heart. And you can get angry, men, men. You can get angry, hey? You can get bitter, resentful, or just tap out. You can get fatalistic. And as I get older and and maybe grow in my faith a little bit, I'd like to feel like I can see this start to happen. It comes out in my words, it's, it's embedded in my thoughts and I've just got to catch it, you know, because if I start to live in that place, then I'm poisoning everyone around me. I'm poisoning everyone around me with my words and left unchecked, disappointment and discouragement can actually steal your faith. We might still believe that God exists. Yeah, okay, God, you know, you're God, but we've lost our ability to trust and believe that God acts. You know what I'm saying? we 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 start to have a faith that is passive and not active and i got passive faith here we go passive faith what is that it believes that god exists it believes that you know the work is finished on the cross yes god one day i'll be with you in heaven but god at the moment this world same again that's passive passive faith active faith what's what's the difference active faith believes for miracles amen God's promises will be realized. God's, God will act in breakthrough for our lives. Is there a difference there? You know, I, there's a massive difference. Passive faith believes in a God that sits on a throne, amen, but he's removed, he's distant from us. He doesn't have a relationship with us. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God who is our Lord and Savior. We've seen it a million times in his Bibles. We hear it in testimonies that our God is a God who acts. Amen. An active faith has hope, a belief, a surety that God is still the God of miracles. He is still the God of miracles. He will act and we can trust him to bring breakthrough. Amen. That's the God we serve. So let's have a look at this, how this applies to this story. We've got this paralyzed man. And actually the location of his story setting is actually really important. If you dig into it a, a little bit deeper, you get some sense of what's happening in his life and you get to get a little bit ah, deeper into the story. And let me, let me if you just let me geek out for a little bit here. Um, in an alternative life, I would have actually been a historian of ancient Greece and Rome. Zoe so knows this. There are books stacked up, piled high in our house. It's like, what do you need more? No, no, this is good. Anyway, I've, I turned from that path a long time ago. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's um, some pictures I've got on the screen because um, the the pool of Bethesda that he sat outside the city walls, and, and based on the archaeological evidence we have, this wasn't actually a Jewish holy site. It wasn't a ceremonial pool or what's called a mikvah that he was waiting beside for a healing. It was something called an Asclepian. And Asclepian was a sacred site dedicated to... To a Greek god, Asclepius. He's the son of Apollo in Greek mythology, the god of medicine and healing. You see these shrines to him if you travel around the Mediterranean. You can see these amazing, uh, amazing sites. Like this is the one from Jerusalem. This is where they think um, this story takes place. A Greek pagan god. And in the following century, the emperor Hadrian would build this big temple to Asclepius at the site. Something. This is a model of it there. Um, our best guess was this, that this man was actually, he was Jewish, you know, he was supposed to be a believer in the one true God, but he wasn't found at a Jewish holy site. He wasn't even found at a spiritually neutral place, like a, like a hospital or something like that. No, no. He was at a pagan worship site, hoping for breakthrough from a pagan God. Okay, that's enough geeking out Dave. What what does this even matter? Well, it illustrates that he'd not only abandoned any hope that the one true God would bring healing in his life, but he'd actually begun to look to these other gods, these pagan deities for his healing. He looked to something other than God to fulfill his hopes and his dreams. Now, he probably had bought into this myth, and we don't know if it was true or not, that if the angels stirred the waters, that maybe he would, luck of the draw, would see him miraculously healed. He began to shape his entire theology and his way of thinking, the way we think about God and what, and what his works, by his situation, which would have been unfathomable to a pious Jewish person who's supposed to believe in the one true God, that maybe, maybe these false gods would come through for me when my own God had failed. He was engaging in idolatry, and there's there's two different things we can do when we when we read um, sections like this in the Bible. We can go, oh, look at that foolish person. Look at them. You know, we we've got faith. We would never do that. We'd never turn our back on God. You know, it's what a. I'm glad they illustrated that for everybody else, but I don't need that story. Or we can look a little bit closer, and if you change a few of the words, you change a few of the circumstances, you can actually see that maybe this is God holding up a bit of a mirror to me. You know, to see that something else in other circumstances, maybe there's some truth that God wants to reveal to me about my own life. Are there things that we have stopped believing for or actively praying for? Could it be that it's not because we're in a place where, you know, Jesus has led us and we're not following the Spirit, but we're finding ourselves living and sitting in that discouragement, that disappointment of unanswered prayers, things we've been hoping for not come to pass. Could it be that these things, there's things that we've stopped doing, risks we've stopped taking, Because of the disappointment of discouragement of those past actions, have you noticed that your theology, your way of thinking about God, has actually changed? You're not drawing closer to Jesus, but you're you're, you're trying to justify and rationalize how you're feeling, that there's a disconnect between what you see God do in the Bible and what you've experienced in your own life. And for me, this can feel like the feeling of settling for something. Now, settling is not a, not a bad thing, um, but it, it's kind of, it can go like this. God, look, I've tried and I've trusted for this thing, but it's not happening. So I'll just settle. I'll just settle for that. I've hoped for the future. I had a dream about how I'd really like it to turn out. Lord, I, how, how I'd like to see my family thrive and my marriage go or what I'd hope for in my career or, you know, my business. But I've waited and it's not happening. So it's fine. So fine. I'll, I'll look, I'll, I can do this by myself. I'll just, I'll, I'll make a, I'll, I'll, I'll find a set of circumstances that I'm happy to live with. And in my own strength, I can probably achieve this, this thing. And, and that's fine. I'm happy to settle for that. <laughs> Zoe hates the word fine. Um, it's, it's a sign. If I start using the word fine, that's a bit of a trigger. How do you feel? Oh, yeah, fine. Yeah. Mm. How do I look? Fine. She never looks fine. Trust me on this one, guys. She never looks fine or okay. That's in the same bucket. She looks amazing. She looks beautiful. Amen. She never looks fine. Don't settle for fine. If we're settling for fine, then it might be that God actually has something more for us. And looking at this story, thanks, man. Yeah. (laughs) When God arrives, when Jesus arrives, what happens? What happens? Breakthrough. Things change. 38 years, his experience was the same, but then it was all overturned in just a moment. Just a moment of breakthrough with Jesus. One statement from Jesus, from God, and this man was healed. Completely healed. Picked up his mat. Walked out of the room. And I tell you that despite your experience, despite the things that might have happened or may not have happened in your past, one statement from Jesus, one move of God, that moment of breakthrough will be enough. A miracle might happen that changes your circumstances so completely. Amen. That you won't even... I don't know. You won't have the words to praise enough. Don't let that doubt, that disappointment, rob you of the faith you need to see God move again. And Ephesians, isn't it amazing? I didn't talk to Zoe about this. I didn't talk to Fadzi about this. What's that verse? Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to, to his power, that is at work within us, amen, to, be, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. <laughs> These ladies have already preached this verse. What more do I have to say? Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. The new King James, this is so even <laughs> exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. New Living Translation, not as good, infinitely more than we might ask or think. But, you know, infinite, that keeps going. It's pretty good too. Paul is trying to find a way to explain his revelation of God's unlimited power, his ability to move into words. And it's not enough. It's not enough just to say that God does exceedingly more. It has to be more than exceedingly more. Wow. Do you believe it? You've seen it. We've heard about it Today. Not just healing, not just baby okay, not just life, but life more abundantly. Yes. Amen. What do we need to do? What do we need to do to, to sort of to try to position ourselves that we can see God moving our lives for breakthrough? I've got two thoughts. It's taking a long time, but it's okay. The first one is this: fix your eyes on the King. Fix our eyes on the King. There was a moment of actually a great joy in our house in the last couple of weeks when our, um, one of our favorite music acts, uh, was going to come out to town on tour um, to Melbourne. Taylor Swift, of course. No, no, not Tay-Tay. That was ages ago. We would have known that we wouldn't have got tickets and we would have been sad. I had all these work colleagues who go, I was on five devices trying to get tickets, but I couldn't get tickets. I'm not talking about Taylor Swift. I'm not talking about Taylor Swift. It's a band called For King and Country. Amen. And they are a Christian band uh, from the US. And But their lead singers are actually two Australian brothers who moved with their family to the States when they were kids. And uh, they are very talented, uh, great musos. Um, they've got lots of drums, which is also always amazing. Great vocal harmonies. Um, and we've actually done a few of their songs for Christmas. They do a version of The Drummer Boy. I guess the boys were excited. Matt, Zeke, I know you guys are. Um, and it's it's the the album is great, but my favorite song that they do, and it's a bit of a family favorite for us, is a song they do called "Fix My Eyes." Um, we played that on repeat almost constantly about the time when our son James was born. Uh, it's one of those songs that become, you know, like a soundtrack to your life at a very important moment. It's a very difficult season, but it was a very uh, important season and 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 full of lots of joy. And it's remained a bit of a favorite ever since. My my six-year-old daughter uh, requested while I was in the shower uh, the other day that we sing a uh, uh, we sing a harmony together. We go, you know, so we were like cranking out the for King and Country in the shower. But the basic the basic premise of this song is is, is this. What would you go back and say to a younger version of yourself? It's like this summarized little version of Ecclesiastes. They reel off a whole bunch of really godly advice. It says this, I'd love like I'm not scared. Give when it's not fair. Live life for another. Take time for a brother. Fight for the weak ones. Speak out for freedom. Find faith in the battle. Stand tall But above it all, I'll fix my eyes on you. And I just like, that's an amazing, amazing truth, isn't it? That like the circumstances of life, if only from a young age we could fix our eyes on Jesus and follow him, that the circumstances will come and go. But we'll be following our Savior and our King. Above it all else, fix our eyes on Jesus. Thank you. When we focus on our situation, when we fix our eyes on it, then we inevitably take our eyes off what God has for us, on His favor, His plans and purposes. And it is so easy to become discouraged, so easy to get discontented and over time get bitter and lose hope if we're not focusing our eyes on Him, but we're looking down in front of us at our circumstances There's a better way. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 2. It says this Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Isn't that amazing? The the circumstances of life, if we're looking at them and you're running a race, you're going to fall over. (laughs) It's like a kid learning to walk, you know. (laughs) But if we fix our eyes on Jesus, the circumstances, they don't go away, but there is a path through them. The man by the pool, he was fixed in that situation. His eyes were fixed on the conditions and circumstances of his life like we so often do. But he had to lift his eyes up and fix them on Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the victorious one. He has already run that race for us. He has conquered sin and grave and he is our king. He reigns supreme and he bows to no one or nothing. Philippians 2.9, check this out. For this reason, highly exalted and... Sorry. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name. That is above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's our God. That's Him. His name is above all names. His name is above every circumstance. And if we take our eyes off the past, if we take our eyes off the situation we find ourselves in, We'll stop falling over. We'll be able to see a way through because that is the God of miracles. That's what we can do. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the victorious King, the one who has pioneered our faith. He's placed that seed in our hearts and he will perfect it if we follow him. And my second point that I want to make today is this, that we need to stand on his decrees. If the keys could come up, that would be great. As followers of Jesus, desperate to see God move again, we need to stand on our King's decrees, on His promises, and on His truth. The Bible is full of promises that God's made to us that we can rely on. We've heard about some of them today. These promises, well, they're not like my promises. And my promises are pretty good. I try to be pretty good. They're not Dave's promises, right? They're certainly better than, you know, the government at election time promises, (laughs) I know. Oh I work for the government. Shh. <laughs> Circumstances change. Circumstances change. And they certainly are not like promises from your children. I love your children. Don't trust them. They're still learning. Their promises are well meaning, but they cannot follow through. <laughs> These are promises from God, the creator of the world the one who has set this whole thing in motion, the one who has created you and has called you out of darkness to walk in his truth. I want to give you five scriptures for five different areas of breakthrough that you can stand on. Think about these. Think about where your faith needs to be stirred. Promise number one, we can see miracles happen today. John 14, 12 says this I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. Oh my gosh. And even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father, and you can ask for anything, anything in my name, and I will do it. <laughs> I feel like every time I preach, somehow this, this scripture comes into it. And I just, this is the faith tester. So, everyone. This is for the people with great vision or great hope or those of you who are in desperate need. That's your scripture. The rest of us just try and get a little bit of that in there. Promise number two, we can believe for healing. James 5, 14, 15 says this. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. Wow. We have heard some amazing miracles in this church in recent weeks. Fadzi, Stephen, Larry, a few weeks ago, healed from cancer. Amen. I'm sure there are many other testimonies in this church about that. If you need healing... Come, let the leaders of this church lay their hands on you and pray for you, and believe in faith. Step out. We've seen it before. He can do it again. Promise three: We can believe for provision. 2 Corinthians 9:8. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you blah, 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 everything you need, and plenty left over to share with others. This has been an amazing truth in my life. That just when I think that's it, Lord, if I just get that, that's enough. There's exceedingly and abundantly more. But there's always an ability then to share and bless others with that, that increase. And I, yeah, if you need something today, if, you, if you're if you in desperate situation, maybe hold on that promise. Pray that prayer. Believe for him to give us breakthrough in provision. Promise four, we can believe for victory in the face of spiritual and natural opposition. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapon formed against you will succeed and you will refute any accusation. you know that, that voice, whether it's somebody in your life, whether it's the voice in the back of your head, that accusation of who you are or, or who, who you might have been, that is not going to stand against you because this is the heritage, I've missed a bit, raised against you in court. Thank you. That this is the heritage of the Lord's servant. And their righteousness is from me. This is the declaration of the Lord. That accusation cannot stand because the heritage of the Lord for His children, His chosen, is that His righteousness is from Him. And the accusation will not stand against your record. Amen. Some of you, you need this song. Uh, It was a great song from Hillsong about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Brooke Fraser, Liggett Wood. She always writes the best stuff for them. Is that called the Desert Song? I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. In that I will rejoice. I will declare. God is my victory and he is here. Val, put that on the list. We'll do that next week. So check with Pastor Bronson. It's amazing, but true, both in the natural and the spiritual realm, whatever you're facing, God is our victory. In fact, not only is he going to have victory in our circumstance, the victory is already won. Amen. And we can walk in faith, trusting in him that we are already living in that victory. Amen. Promise 5. We can believe for peace. This is always the one. I, I preach this every time as well. And that wasn't my plan. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all that He has done. And then you will experience God's peace. Which exceeds anything that we can understand. I love that so much because the circumstances often don't allow us to feel like peace is a thing that we can enjoy but we don't need to understand how that can be the case His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus this is the one this is the scripture do you know what I don't find the modern world is almost perfectly designed to trigger an anxious mind to develop an anxious mind so many things happening all the time disconnected from each other more pressure this promise is that we don't we need to hold on to him every day for his peace in this modern world in this anxiety driven place and you see how he says just pray about just pray about some things the, like, the important things just pray about those ones no he says no 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 he doesn't he say he says um, pray about God things or church things things that you think that would please him does he say, pray about things that the good works that he should, you should be doing? Pray about the things that you should be doing? No. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Absolutely everything. There is no part of our life that God doesn't want to have sovereignty over. And the more that I grow and walk in my faith, the more that I understand, God, you want every part of me. You actually want good things for every part of my life. You want to transform this heart in every way. The way that I speak to my family, the way that I work in my work situation. I know Zoe's struggled with that one. What, the work? That's the thing I do. I go to work to do this work. That's my job. I work in that. No, no, God, you want to bless that? You've got a plan for me in that? You've got provision for me in every area of my life? Pray about everything and rest in His peace that He's got you. Right. So there are promises. What does it mean to stand on them? I mean, it sounds easy, but how do you you even know that you're doing it, right? What does it mean to stand on the promises of God? To put really simply and practically, it's this. It means to believe, to believe, to stir your heart to believe and hope for and to declare the promises in a faith-filled prayer. That's what it is just to break I'll try and give you some steps I'm not gonna there's too many things on the screen I'll just step one remind God of his promise he's on the screen that's good Lord you said no weapon formed against me will prosper I remind you of that Lord you said that I can rest in your peace that surpasses all understanding Lord God I remind you of your promise to me step two you gotta apply that promise to your situation I declare that in this situation, Lord, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Lord, I declare your peace will surround me as I get through this situation today. Step number three. Thank and praise God in faith for the fulfillment, even before you see in it. Father, I praise you for the victory. It is already won you have already overcome. And step four, hold fast throughout your day, despite your circumstances. Hold fast to the hope you have. Come back to that prayer. Come back to that prayer. Come back to that scripture, whatever it is. Just say, no, God, I know that I haven't seen it come true yet, but I'm trusting, Lord, that you are working. Even when I don't see it, Lord, you are working. And I'm not going to let the doubt or the disappointment or the discouragement come into my life because I'm believing your promises are true and you will break through in my life. Now, I don't know where you're at today. If you're holding on to the promises of God, you're doing that standing fast thing. Or I don't know if maybe you're getting a bit discouraged. You're getting a bit disappointed. You're seeing the same thing happen again. But I want you to know this God is wanting to move again for you, for this church, in our lives, in, in our circumstances. And we're going to put this into practice right now. So if you'll join me, we are going to pray together for breakthrough. I want you to think about that promise. Or the scripture that's most relevant for you. And I want you to all pray with me. So maybe if everyone could stand, um, it might be breakthrough for your own life. It might be breakthrough for your family. Breakthrough for your loved ones. Breakthrough for some circumstance that you need to see in your life. But whatever it is, our God is a God of promises. Our God is a God who answers prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father Lord you are so so good to us Lord you are loving and faithful even when we aren't faithful Lord God even when we can't see the fruits Lord God Lord you are faithful and even when we don't see it Lord you are working in our circumstances Lord God preparing a way preparing our hearts Lord and so we pray now Lord for breakthrough in our circumstances Lord breakthrough for every single person in this church Lord there is power in your word there is power in your promises power to break chains power to set captives free Lord power to change lives Jesus Lord Jesus we come today you came proclaiming a message of hope Lord that we can stand firm on your promises Lord God That we can see miracles happen today, Lord. Lord, that we can believe for healing, Lord God, today. Lord, that we can believe for provision that you will provide, Lord. Lord, we believe for victory in the face of spiritual or physical or natural opposition, Lord God. We praise you for breakthrough. Lord, we can believe for your peace and Lord, as everyone, each one of us comes here today with our need before you, Lord, we pray for a mighty move of power that will see you move in our circumstances. Holy Spirit, you have done it before and you can do it again. We are standing on your promises, Lord, standing on your decree, standing on your word. And Lord, if there is anyone, Father, who doesn't know that hope, Lord, who doesn't know you today, and maybe is or maybe maybe they've walked away. They've known you in the past, but they are ready to come back, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you they are wanting to know you, you, Lord God, more than anything. Lord, are wanting to know them, are wanting to have a relationship with them. Lord, you came down from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. You lived a perfect life without sin that we couldn't live. Lord, and by your sacrifice on that cross, Lord, you paid the price for our sin that we might be forgiven. We might be set free. Lord, and then you rose to new life after three days. And by that miracle, you have given us new life. By the power of the resurrection, Lord God, we are free. We are set free to know you, Lord, Lord, and to live by faith in you. Jesus, if there's anyone who doesn't know you today, Lord, I just can we pray a simple prayer together? All of us, if you could pray with me. Jesus, I believe in you that you are the one who you say you are our Lord and our Saviour. I believe that you have forgiven my sins and I thank you that I can have new life with you. I pray that you are with me and I can walk in your salvation from this day forward.